0: Listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Damian Parson and Blake Murphy. All about your Arizona Cardinals. And hello, and welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. This is—we're getting up nearly two hundreds as far as episodes go, which is awesome. Uh, we're here to talk about your one and one Arizona Cardinals, which has been. Gotta say, after the first six quarters of the season, to come away and say that the Cardinals are back at 500, it feels like it's either, whether it's a relief, whether there's joy, whatever it is, uh, I'm here to talk all about it here with my co-host, Damian, at DP underscore NFL. And Dame, we have a thrilling Cardinals victory to talk about following what was a very difficult first half of football for many Cardinals fans to watch.
1: Yeah, Blake, I mean, it started off very similar to last week. Um, You know, when it was kind of the same mistakes uh, when when the offense was able to have positive plays, there were penalties. They were heavily penalized in this game, uh, which has been something that's kind of plagued them throughout the Cliff Kingsbury tenure. Uh, But they were really penalized in the pass protection was failing them as well. So it's like you can't really take downfield shots. A lot of Cardinals fans after week one was like, why couldn't we get the ball to Marquise Brown downfield and um, different things of that nature. And it's like, well, you need time. You know, unless there's a busted coverage where a, a guy's streaking wide open immediately, you got to protect the quarterback. And Max Crosby, man, he was really – I mean, he, he's one of the best pass rushers in football, and I get that. But Kelvin him he beat Kevin Beachum like a drum yesterday for majority of that game. And it was just like, it, it didn't matter what he was doing, speed, speed to power, like inside counters, outside counters. It didn't even matter. He had, uh, he, he gave him every bit of hell that he could. And that was, of course, you know, it was going to disrupt timing and the flow and rhythm of the offense. You can't uh, plant your back foot as the quarterback and just get the ball out to, to open guys, if you're constantly seeing uh, flashing colors from the other from the other team, so they struggled struggled to stop you know the the Raiders' offense and the run game, the, the play action game, and and they were able to just kind of walk down field consistently. That's why they had a twenty point lead heading into over in, heading into into the halftime, and that's where you know things started to shift. Like like defensively, give a shout out to Vance. Joseph um, calling it a, a better game after the second half. You know, of course, we all know that they wanted to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and attack this, this week, in secondary, and Vance wouldn't let it happen. There was a lot of um, brackets. You saw his two-man trail with the cornerback playing underneath leverage, safety shading over the top, just kind of really bracketing him inside and out, just not giving him anywhere to throw. And then understanding that now if this was Aaron Rodgers, he's still throwing it to, to Devontae Adams fifteen times, because he's you know that's that's who he is. Derek Carr has always been more of a passive passer, mm. where he doesn't test a lot of those tight, difficult windows. So I wasn't surprised to see that Devontae Adams only had seven targets, and he wouldn't test double coverage like that because that's never been his style. So he he would right. pivot and. Forced him to take the other options and and, and allowed that allowed the, the corner the, the the defense and secondary overall to just play really good, just travel to the ball, everyone rally and make the tackle and getting those quick three and outs was was really pivotal uh, to give the offense some momentum and an opportunity to to score and then come back and score again. So that was big.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's two halves of football. We've briefly been touching on that first half, which it was, again, like just seemed like a repeat of the Chiefs game. The Cardinals were down 20-zip at the half. Raiders were outgaining 253 total yards to 86. Kyler Murray, I believe, had only 53 total yards at the half. Obviously, that wasn't how the game finished, but when you see how it opens up with Raiders touchdown, field goal, touchdown, field goal, The Cardinals open up with two straight punts and you have, you know, a 15 play drive and then some quicker scoring drives, nine plays, seven plays. And then when the Cardinals finally seem to be getting in a rhythm, uh, Kyler forces the ball a bit to Hollywood, doesn't see maybe the underneath coverage as much. Raiders pick it off and get a field goal before the half. You really felt like the season for the Cardinals in a lot of ways was going to be defined by how they would respond to that adversity and they opened up with a punt in the second half, but the defense stepped up, and you got to see, obviously, an 11-play drive in that second half where the Cardinals had Kyler Murray running the football, getting some guys involved with Greg Dorch on a 29-yard pass play. Uh, James Conner had been hurt. So you saw Darrell Williams be able to step up with some good rushes. And Arizona was able to drive down, get a touchdown, and it really felt, Damien like at that point that um, – the Raiders didn't really have as much of an answer for what Vance Joseph pulled out in the second half. The blitzes started to get a bit more pressure on Derek Carr. And we had talked about the secondary Devonte Adams. Um, you had mentioned that you wanted the Cardinals to play a lot more man coverage. And mm-hmm. that was exactly what we saw. Byron Murphy really stepped up and erased Devonte Adams. And like you said, Derek Carr, As a quarterback, we probably see Aaron Rodgers, whether it's the back shoulder fade or whether it's getting him involved. That didn't seem to happen in this game. Uh, Murphy, credit him for playing some great coverage. But like you said, the story, I think, of this Cardinals game, at least, is the first half, a lot of people are saying, why did you pay Kyler Murray like $200 million? Why did you have this extension for everybody? And after that second half was done, it was like, Oh, that's why you pay Kyler Murray that money for the most part. He was heroic in the second half.
1: Oh, 100 percent. And it, I think it was a it was a moment in in the game where Cliff is calling the plays, and you can kind of see him. I can't remember if I heard about. I remember kind of reading. He's trying to cover his face with the play sheet, and he's like reading calling the play to. to to Kyler and, and you could tell Kyler didn't like the play and he's like trust me, trust me, trust me and the play actually was like everything, like, no matter even though it was ran to a T it wasn't a good play hmm. so Kyler had to make the play himself, I think it was, it was a two point conversion, uh, the first one it was one of the red, low red zone areas but Kyler's, you know, like I said the, the, the heroics and Man, did the team, the, the you know, the weapons didn't really help him late in that game. A.J. Green dropped a couple big passes. Kyler hit, you know, hit him in stride right down the right sideline, you know, threw it away from the coverage, and he couldn't get two feet in, right? So that's an incomplete pass. Then you think about the slant in the low red zone at the goal line. You know, Kyler hits him in between the numbers. Instead of catching it with his hands, He's trying to corral it with his body, which I've been critical of Andy Isabella. Because Andy Isabella doesn't catch with his hands; he's a body catcher, mm-hmm. and he allowed it to get trapped in his body. And the DB like is punching away at it, and he's able to dislodge the ball, separate ball from body, and it's an incomplete pass where it could have been a touch. You know, it could have it could have been score. So it's like, and then they reviewed the uh, the, the with the two point conversion to to send in the overtime. Where Kyler hits him in the back of the end zone on on the in on the on the back line and he nearly drops that too, Blake. Like yeah. so it was just like, man, like of course, in overtime, the the, the deep shot and I, I I don't wanna I I really like Hollywood Brown and what he's gonna bring to this offense as a number two, especially when DeAndre Hopkins returns and gets into game shape and everything. Cause his speed, his deep field ability, teams are gonna try and double. D. hop and it's going to give him one-on-one and he can win those as we saw with the crazy one handed to catch then he gets a clear opportunity with two hands of the ball and he makes a horrible play a horrible decision on how he played it mm-hmm. because kyle did a great job deron Harmon sitting in the middle of the field um as a single high safety you know when you see that it's a, the term that is used as middle of the field is closed because you have a single high safety in the middle so you typically attack outside and make that safety cover ground, and Kyler did. The, it was the, the accuracy and ball placement was top 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 tier because he puts it over the opposite shoulder, away from the safety, leading Hollywood Brown to the sideline where he could just get two feet in, catch the ball, and we're in position uh, to, to to score. But Hollywood Brown tries to <laughs> he tries some arrow, you know, so tries to be aerodynamic and some be an acrobat and spins, like, almost 180 going the opposite direction to get his hands on the ball when he should have just turned and easily looked the ball in. He made the catch a little bit more difficult than it should be, but a shot credit to Duran Harmon for laying that big hit. But Kyler's just ability to put the team on his shoulders. You know, like, the play calling isn't working. And, like, he's – like, like I said, you got your right tackle getting beat by, like, a drum – by by Max Crosby, what do you do? You like, yes, you, you can run the ball as a team. I always I always say it's running the ball will take the legs of pass rushers. But man, when you have a, a quarterback like Kyle that can extend, extend, extend. And it's like, man, I'm tired of chasing this guy. Like <laughs> and, and that's yeah. the way those defensive linemen looked after a while, Blake. They were tired. They were gassed. And I was like, just the the two the first two point conversion play. Where he's like, he's still, and what I love about that play Blake, is he kept his eyes downfield. He's still trying to find somebody to throw the ball to. It's not like someone who's just running to run, he's running to keep the play alive. Yeah. And he's making guys miss. It looks like uh, an N one, you know, basketball commercial. He's crossing up these big defensive linemen. And then he's like, you know what? Nobody's open. They dropped, like, I think they, they ran drop eight. And uh, matter of fact, I think they dropped nine. They dropped nine. nine. Yep. Two. They drop nine and rush two,
0: two three hundred pound guys at least. <laughs> and
1: I was like, "Oh my god!" Like that's—I mean, that's—that's that's a way to stifle the red zone. No, I'm not gonna lie. That's a really good, especially if you consider doing that with a quarterback that's not mobile. Like you're good, you know. But Kyle was able to make a play, and then of course, you know, same thing—being able to get the touchdown. Nothing's open. He he evades guys. You know, gets there. He realizes like, man, you guys aren't—you're not in position. You're not in position to catch me. And he gets the touchdown. So his late game heroics, to me, I think it kid like we talked about this coming in to week one. And, of course, the injuries really, I think, derailed what week one could look like if we, if, if, the, if the team had a healthy J.J. Watt and, and Rondell Moore week one. That game, I think that game, of, and Justin Pugh played, instead of Sean Harlow, who, was, who nearly gave up 10 pressures and hurries in that game. Mm-hmm. I felt like that game against Kansas City would have been a lot closer than it was. Right. But we talked about how this team needed to come out and win. And the one thing I would say, Blake, I, I shout out to Cliff. The that was the most emotion I think I've seen from him. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like seeing that. As a former football player, that's what you want to see. You want to see emotion from your coach. Being excited, being hyped, being just like like it matters and means something to you. And for the first time since he's been there, that's the way I felt like watching him. I'm like, he okay. This game, they knew they needed it because it's like all the talk about Kyler not studying and uh, Fortnite and Call of Duty and all <laughs> these uh, all these corny jokes that social media was making about him. Yeah, no. And then the, the crazy thing about it, not just his late game heroics, if you if you pay attention, he was the one calling plays at line of scrimmage. He was checking in and out of things yeah. left and right based on what the defense was showing. So shout out to Kyler, man. He, he to me, he shut the door on all that. He's not prepared narrative stuff.
0: Yeah, and one, I remember even, like you said, with like the jokes or everything, like that was a huge interesting thing to see was how uh, you know, Scott Hansen, when he saw Kyler convert on that two-point play, he's like, oh, Kyler answered the Call of Duty there, which is like one of those things that people who follow <laughs> know at least that that was a concern people had was, hey, is Kyler Murray in video games? Is that a, a thing? And like you said, it was also a level of leadership, I think, that we saw from not just Cliff with – an emotional appeal that, you know, like you said, that the team was able to follow along with. But also Murray was calm and collected on the sideline. There wasn't any type Uh of pouting. There wasn't any form of, you know, uh, extra frustration. It just felt like he was like, hey, we're going to buckle down and do this. Even post-game, he said, whatever it takes, which is like if I have to run the ball 12 times or something like that to get the win, that's what we're going to do. And that was one of the things I think that we've seen for the most part that people have – felt about Kyler Murray and have felt like that's what your quarterback is supposed to do. And Uh ultimately at the end of the day, there was, I think you mentioned um, one of the plays that was called where he took it in. There was a mesh concept. I think that the Raiders, like you said, I think that was the drop nine. There's a few other plays. It feels strange to think about how every time the Cardinals had like a gotta have it type of play, either something would go their way or they would be able to convert Uh, and it was difficult to get to the spot where they were able to have the opportunity to go for the tie. They drove down the field to the Vegas 11 and had a fourth down play, at least. They didn't get the conversion to Marquise Brown. Fourth down, Kyler runs right. You see that they had designed a play for Zach Ertz one-on-one. Ertz has been covered. like He's being blanketed. Murray throws the ball a little bit to the back right to the empty space in the end zone, because he knows if I throw this on a line, the DB is just going to reach his hand in and break it up. He throws it a bit to the back. Ertz doesn't drift back to that area. He keeps on that straight line. So that's your quarterback tight end miscommunication is only able to get Mm. one hand on the ball. And you're thinking, all right, like that's probably it right there. Like you're in the, you know, the third quarter, you're basically at the fourth quarter. The defense steps up and forces a three and out on the very next play. Greg Dorch gets an 18-yard return, so you felt like that, you know, people say that there's not a way to see momentum swing or change from the stats. But I think you could feel the energy in the building between Cliff basically pushing the players, you know, calling these different areas, and Kyler's calm demeanor. There's a level, at least, of leadership where at one point it felt like that the Cardinals are still going to be able to pull this off, and there was a level of faith that we hadn't seen from this team, I think, through the previous six quarters. So they're able to essentially drive down the field. You know, they needed 16 points. That's two two two-point conversions. Murray has, of course, like the 22nd run-around at least, where he's able to convert it himself, moving guys around, able to kind of manipulate, and then just gets to the edge. The Raiders then pick up a first down. You have a second punt, for the most part, with some... A great play, at least for the most part, With uh, I believe it was on first down for the most part. Rashard Lawrence blows the play up for the most part. Now it's second and 14. That was one of the more underrated defining plays. But you can look at that entire second half. The Raiders tried to run the ball to get the clock done. And the Cardinals were blowing up the plays, getting into the backfield. That was one of our keys to the game. If you were going to win, you had to get penetration on that interior side. The Cardinals, to their credit... Once they made some adjustments with Cliff and the protection, you didn't see Max Crosby getting into the backfield or around Calvin Beecham like he did for that one sack early. The pass protection was critical. And that's, I think, credit to, like you said, Cliff, to Kyler. I would credit the O line as the unsung hero. Even on that Murray scramble, not a single one of those men moved up or was an ineligible il- man downfield. They reset their protection. Beecham stuck right onto, I believe, the edge rusher and Crosby to make sure that he wasn't going to, you know, get near Murray, but he kept his spot. So that way you were like, all right, like if Murray runs in, but some player gets a little bit out of place, like that whole play is dead, the two-point conversion, gone. So would be Arizona's chances. And at the end of the game, Cardinals, they get the ball, drive down. I know some people didn't like the deep left pass to Marquise Brown. I felt like that that was one of those cases where Cliff's aggression works for them. You know, the credit, like you said, Deron Harmon, Great play blowing up on third and one so that Daryl Williams didn't get the first down. The entire Raiders team was playing that line of scrimmage. Marquise Brown sneaks out, gets into the soft spot. And like you said, he just tried to jump up when he he didn't have to really jump for the ball at all. Like the ball was placed Mm -mm. fine. He just tries to jump up for the ball a little bit, at least get that catch in Harmon hits him in the process. Uh, So credit at least the safety for making a great play. And, It really felt like at that point, you know, that the Raiders, they just had to go about 20 yards, get into field goal range, and I guess maybe the other story of the game would be just how um, Isaiah Simmons, stepping up, he doesn't get very many snaps, he had basically been benched for the most part in that game, has not been practicing very well, he had the, I guess they say the green dot of the play caller, had moved to the other first round pick in Zayvon Collins, who we can, you know, talk about how, how... he performed outstanding in this game as well. And he comes up with a late play. You saw Hunter Renfro had already fumbled on a previous carry. Darren Waller fumbled. They recover it. And it just felt like the Cardinals in that part were the team that wanted it more. They were the ones out there roaming around, hitting, making sure that, you know, guys weren't going to get there. And it really seemed like in that regard, they were able to essentially kind of impose their will on the Raiders. Ball gets free. And Byron Murphy, who's maybe the guy who... Didn't show up on the stat sheet for blanketing um, Devontae Adams throughout the entire game. Scoops up the ball, runs back, and just barely tosses it when he gets to the other side of the line. We've avoided one of maybe, uh, I think Cliff Kingsbury said he avoided becoming a meme for the next 30 years or so. Uh, We've seen that before with Deshaun Jackson. Oh, yeah. And the Cardinals essentially see the whole sideline run. It was just a certain type of energy that, you know, it feels like one of those things you hope can propel the team to new heights because it was... All of the problems that we've talked about for the last, I guess you could say, six quarters of this team, it seemed like players decided that they'd had enough. They stepped up, made plays, and walked away with one of the most improbable wins of the 2022 season.
1: No, that is absolutely correct, And Like you said, they, and I mean, I didn't fully agree with, because like with, with how they handled Isaiah Simmons, he only played about 15 snaps in that game and 14 of them were in coverage. So, that understand that he's he's good in coverage. Like, you know what I mean when you're dropping them as a zone guy, letting to click and close and drive on routes and allow him to like at the end of the day, like Blake, we everybody knew he was a jack of all trades, a Swiss Army knife coming out of Clemson and Arizona like I think we've talked about like this was almost this is very similar to how they handled a song Reddick, like, not having a designated plan when you drafted him to find that spot in what's worked for him, so, like, I don't mind them taking the green dot off of him, because it's like, when you, you have the, the D coordinator in your ear, you're playing against the Chiefs, and you're in man coverage against Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith Schuster and wide receivers, but you also want him to be the play caller on the field, like, you're, you're over-complicating things. So, like, allowing him to be just be him. Drop him off in coverage. Let him play as a linebacker, a, a weak, a will, a will linebacker, a weak side linebacker where he can run and chase. You simplify things. He can come downhill in the run game. Allow him to do those things. I I really believe if they give him the the normal snaps at that will linebacker position, let Zayvon Collins be the, the green dot, and let Isaiah Simmons be that that roamer that like I said drops off in the coverage, get into passing lanes. He's 6'4, you know, ultra athletic. So you know he's can he can get into the short areas quickly. And then you can use him as a blitzer. Because I guarantee you, this was Bill, if Bill Belichick had matter of fact, Bill Belichick had a version of Isaiah Simmons, a less athletic version, because Isaiah Simmons is an unreal athlete. It was Jamie Collins. Come out of Southern, I think it was Southern Mississippi. Southern Missouri, Southern Mississippi, when he drafted Jamie Collins, Jamie Collins had played safety, linebacker, nickel corner, and defensive end, and he found different ways to make him a weapon. And teams would – I just remember teams would always see that double A-gap blitz look with Dante Hightower on one A-gap and Jamie Collins in the other. And that's the kind of vibe that a lot of people – in football, felt like they would see with Z- Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, but the Cardinals just haven't figured out how to properly use him full time as a linebacker. I think what we saw in those snaps was big, but that hit was so crucial. And it, it, it's just you just see him like he's more reactive. He's not thinking. It's just read the play, read and react. He hit it once he saw where the ball went, and, and that his teammate did not secure the tackle. He's like, I'm gonna level this guy. And he ate see ball, hit ball. And he, he hit, he put the shoulder, it was textbook. <laughs> it was textbook, Blake. He put that shoulder pad right on the football. And you saw the ball pop out. Thank God that, that, that Marco Wilson couldn't couldn't corral it because then it wouldn't have been the long return and they would have to go back on offense and try to get points and everything. And they just was able to get out of there with a win. But that was such a timely play. And shout out to, to Isaiah Simmons because, like you said, one thing about, I think that was, that was different. Like I said, not just, you said you talked about the, and we both talked about the energy, the vibe, the the mental resolve. Like if this was the end of last year, if they played and had the mindset as, as they did in the last year, everyone would have been moping. Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like you talked about, I want to go back to Kyler real quick. You talked about Kyler's uh, leadership. Now, remember week one, Green Bay, opens the game against the Minnesota Vikings, and Aaron Rodgers launches a bomb to the rookie Christian Watson. Kid drops it. Aaron Rodgers doesn't really want to go back to the kid or whatever, you know what I mean, because he's just not comfortable with it. Kyler literally watched A.J. Green drop a pass, especially after how, you know, A.J. Green had blunders last year, catching the football or, you know, being aware. He comes right back to him on the two-point. Comes right back to him and, and drills it in. Just the leadership, the mental fortitude and resolve, and just this seems like a team that, like you said, just wanted it. That, that was gonna to fight tooth and nail to get it. And I love what Kyle said. You know, by any you know by any means necessary. How how you know you got to get it how, however you can. And, and that's how I felt like Isaiah Simmons. He he played in his limited snaps. He played like someone with confidence that was reading and reacting.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And I think that's one of the areas that we've talked about, of course, is trying to find the right balance of with these linebackers. Since the Cardinals love their hybrid linebackers, you know, I've felt like that some of Isaiah Simmons' position he played at was safety. But like you said, the, you know, 4 3 Bruce Irvin, Jamie Collins role seemed like that was where the Cardinals were content to let him be. And then they've, you know, shifted their approach. But ultimately, the player, at least in the talent we we, we talked about, is he's. Like you used the phrase, heat seeking missile, he's able to jar stuff free. I, I think that Simmons has been made more complex because of that lack of being able to find kind of that right spot or fit. Whereas I think we've seen Zayvon Collins, on the other hand, you know, when he's not having to, uh, you know, cover a Miko Hardman or something like that down the seam at the inside linebacker spot, uh, he's at least seemed to adjust better. He played 67 snaps on Sunday, which was tied for the most on the team along with Buda Baker. Uh, didn't come off the field, ended up with eight tackles, had one forced fumble. You could definitely see that um, his angles, at least for the most part, and maybe some of it was just the Chiefs' game plan in Week 1. Um, some of it, I think, was also just there was a bit more Nick Vigil, a bit more uh, Tanner Vallejo back there. Even though he was the one calling the plays, it seemed like he at least knew with what the game plan had been. And that's one of the areas where I've not really felt like the zavens position was as much of an issue like to me he seemed like he was the perfect setup for being a Mike linebacker in the NFL but coming out of a small school in Tulsa he had played a bit of outside linebacker there he had played kind of some Mike responsibilities but you knew it was going to take a bit of time to develop he just was not a natural edge rusher (laughs) and anything that you can see. I know he played the position some against the Cowboys, but it feels like that a lot of what you're looking for is just getting snaps, getting experience, getting some playing time for some of these guys. And we've really seen at least that through the first two games, some NFL teams have not seemed to be very prepared. We've also seen kind of some flukes based on who's been healthy, who's not been. It's been wild with how many comebacks we've just seen in the NFL, the dolphins, the jets, the Cardinals, Um, Even the Bengals against the Steelers, all of them seem to have these late fourth quarter comebacks for the most part. I think that's just kind of a state of whether it's conditioning in the league or teams making those adjustments to things that they're finally seeing on film for the first time. Um, It's at least encouraging, I think, for Cardinals fans, because like we said before this, you know, we've just had these guys not been getting onto the field We've now seen at least enough evidence to continue to kind of put them out there and take a few lumps. And knowing that, you know, someone like a Kyler Murray is in the meantime while DeAndre Hopkins is out, while Rondell Moore has been sidelined, hoping that he can at least use some of his legs early this season, even if it's not necessarily rushing, but just in extending the play and getting guys open, forcing defenses to adjust. Um, I think that's something that is a positive for this team. And it also shows in some regard that, You know, Arizona, the plan coming into this season was to uh, kind of invest on defense as needed, trust those linebackers, and essentially put your game plan on Kyler Murray to win it. Through two games, you can say that we at least have seen some evidence that the Cardinals can do it, and a lot of it had to be with that defense stepping up. Um, It's been really interesting to see with how the Raiders responded with bringing guys in, how they surrounded Derek Carr and then just to be able to see how Josh McDaniels treated that second half, you know, at least like you said, it wasn't a very aggressive game plan. Cliff Kingsbury obviously was far more attacking and it really feels like that the Cardinals looking in the shape of the rest of the NFC West, the rest of the NFC, like this is a conference, not even just a division, but a conference that's wide open. And that was even before Trey Lance, unfortunately went down with an ankle injury uh, being out for the season obviously the veteran Jimmy Garoppolo comes back uh, Damien, what do you see as far as going forward with this Cardinals team amidst the rest of the league through the first two games since you know it feels like maybe you kind of rescued some stuff from the brink but now you feel more positive that hey this Cardinals team maybe they have a chance to be able to make a push this year uh, amidst what seems to be at least an NFC that Just is not strong. The AFC is good, but this NFC, man, it's just it feels like the Cardinals can make a move at least, especially considering that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be coming back after Week Six.
1: No, I agree. This the NFC is wide open right now. You don't know who. You know Tampa doesn't look good, and they have injuries um, on the you know on the O line and at the receiver position. Um, You know Green Bay ran the ball well, but. Are, they, are the receivers and Aaron Rodgers going to be on the same page? When will they get their chemistry down? The Rams do not look great um, either, and, and we'll get into them um, in a little bit for the preview for this game. But the NFC is open. Like The NFC NFC West, this division is still wide open. Each team is one and one. Seahawks should have been 0-2 um, if it wasn't for Nathaniel Hackett's weirdness um, on Monday Night Football last, last week. Um, the, the Seahawks will be zero and two, but I don't think anybody views them as a threat, as no one should right now. Because yeah. um, I mean, heck, even their safety—I think Dix said we are just not—we're not a good team. And it was like, you know, it, it is what it is. You're in the re- you're kind of in the rebuild, but the you know the, the Niners losing Trey Lance. I'm not really—I know a lot of people love Jimmy, and I Jimmy's no threat. Um, he's very average. He puts the ball in harm's way. He knows how to run this offense because you know he's been in the league for. A long time now, like you know, and, and stuff like that. He got to watch Tom Brady run kind of a West Coast type of offense in New England. But yeah, I, I don't fear Jimmy at all. And so you know, it's all about can you knock off the Rams, who lost Week One and nearly lost yesterday. If it wasn't for Jalen Ramsey becoming the receiver and and you know playing the ball at his highest point, getting the interception against the Falcons. So yeah, I think I think this Cardinals team—they just gotta string together wins right now. And and the biggest thing is, you know, week seven will be here before you know it. And the best thing to be is either three and three or four and two. You know, you don't want to be two and four or anything like that. Try to be the five hundred or above five hundred.
0: Absolutely yes. Um, Coming up at least here on the next half, we'll be able to talk a little bit about what the NFC West outlook looks like at least as the Cardinals play an NFC West opponent. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, and what will it look like with the Niners, who seem to be just having the injury bug bite them after a uh, pretty convincing victory over the fellow rival Seattle Seahawks. That'll be here next on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. And we're back with the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Before we move on, Damien, I do want to at least do an interesting shout-out because we talked about roster building in Cliff Kingsbury and just some of the questions we had for the Cardinals. I think we got to see a little bit of why they kept five running backs on the roster this year. Uh, we got to see when James Conner had an ankle injury. He's still day to day, and he was, you know, walking around celebrating with Kyler Murray after the game. So I don't think it's a significant injury. Um, but we got to see how Eno you know, Benjamin caught the ball, at least, was able to make um, some missed tackles. We know that Jonathan Ward has been a special teams player that uh, the Cardinals uh, special teams coach, Jeff Rogers, really trusts. And we got to see the first real snaps for Darrell Williams. He took over, was able to run the ball well, seemed to have a little bit of juice that he added when he got his opportunity. And it makes you think that maybe the Cardinals with James Conner, how he's been banged up in the past, um, they didn't clearly want Keontae Ingram to go to another team or even be a practice squad signing. And it seems like that the Cardinals, for all of the questions we had about like, hey, do they have depth? There's only four wide receivers this week. Trey McBride hasn't been playing that much. You know, questions about if the offensive lines had depth with some of those injuries. It seemed like the Cardinals running game just lost nothing when James Conner, it's like their franchise back, they paid went out. Immediately, Darrell Williams stepped up. You know, Benjamin stepped up. It, it felt like it was a team victory in regards. But Also, I think you credit Steve Keim or the Cardinals for at least, maybe not necessarily the foresight, but at least understanding that having a big back who's about 220, who can maybe carry the load like a bell cow up the middle, that's something that is important to have because when you lose that player in James Conner and you don't have that type of guy on the roster, it can be a really big deal because it makes it easier for a defense to attack you.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like the, the, the difference with especially like Collins not an explosive runner, he's a downhill guy. And we saw the difference with him and Williams um in this speed option game where Collars you know takes the, the the shotgun snap. he's able to pre you know take it towards the, the perimeter, make that defensive end, make a decision like he did it to to um Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones chose him, he pitched it over to Darrell Williams. And Daryl Williams, I think that was the in overtime they got to like fourth and one when he asked when he took the shot to Marquise Brown, but to get to that to that one to that you know make it a, a fourth and one, you know it was a it was a good play and I think he broke a thirty yard run on the opposite side of the field, um, on the opposite side of the formation going right with the speed option because he has some he has more juice and explosiveness than explosiveness than um, James Conner. Still don't like the fact that they kept five running backs because if you're not running up the ball enough to warrant keeping five, uh four I think was solid, but would have been fine, especially mm-hmm. to keep, you know, keep another receiver, whatnot. And then especially because Cliff's not using the tight ends uh outside of Zach Ertz, which is really odd to me as well. But you know, looking at at, at that, there Dar- Williams, you know, play big and you know, I if I know they said that the Foot or ankle of uh, James Conner isn't um, isn't a long-term worry or anything serious, which is good. But I, I would say sprinkle in some of the other backs in the run game out, you know, especially with Kyler willing to run the ball more. I would like to see them come out with some kind of offset pistol king and queen sets and run some of the triple option stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Put put King James Conner is that that up back, right? You know, flanking um, right beside Kyler Murray run some of the, give the, the inside zone and have Kyler read the backside in. And you can have Darrell Williams. You can have Keontae Ingram if he's, if he's um, available, or of course, you know, Benjamin behind them, that's the pitchman. And it puts these defensive linemen in conflict and for, like it's not, yeah. and it's not a concept that guys see every day. So, um, you know, with, with this run game, I think there's, there's a lot of opportunities for Cliff to be creative. Uh, we just got to wait for him to, to see if he will.
0: Yeah, for sure. At least for that, uh, I think with the running back and we'll talk with injuries, the last shout out I'll give, of course, is with Greg Dortch because he is right now leading the Cardinals in receiving. He's caught eleven of his thirteen targets, one hundred eighteen yards, got his first NFL touchdown. Uh, just I think impressive showing of being an undrafted free agent, dedicating you know yourself to your craft to be able to you know not just be able to get to a spot where you're able to you know pass up a second round pick like Andy Isabella, but When Isabella's hurt, you've got Dorch out there who now is making a case for, you know, when Rondell Moore comes back, you may be looking at, you know, splitting out some of Moore's snaps. So I think that's something that's been awesome to see. It just shows you that this Cardinals team at least does have depth on the offensive side. Um, But speaking of like with injuries and Connor, um, this is kind of the one spot of the NFL where you can look at like the Seahawks came a little back down to earth, but the Niners are the one I think you have to watch with. It's the biggest, I think, news story In the NFL right now, Trey Lance with an ankle fracture out for the season, also dislocated. It was not a compound fracture like Dak Prescott's, which I think is great news. But there's been a lot of questions, at least, about Trey Lance and the idea of the Niners trading up, getting a mobile quarterback. Um, It's a season-ending injury. And like people have said, this is kind of crazy. He was running maybe about 12 times or so a game in his three main starts for the most part. I was like a 12.3 carries per game. And while it wasn't like it was necessarily like a injury that would, you know, like as Benny said, we've seen Josh Allen run those, we've seen Kyler Murray run those, just the fact that they've ran him so much, and that was maybe a concern I had of when he's coming out of North Dakota State, you've got some guys who can, when they run, they avoid contact. There's other guys who like when they run, they embrace contact where it just feels like the Cam Newton style, or maybe there's more of a you take a hit, but you give a hit back. Um, The division changes with Jimmy Garoppolo in there as a backup. I know that I, like you, wanted to see Trey Lance this season develop in part because you saw how explosive he was. The Niners, I think, had 134 yards um, of offense before he went down. Jimmy only accounted for maybe about 200 or something like that yards after for the rest of the game. So it just shows that there is an element of having an explosive playmaker who can run at the quarterback position. And... When it comes to looking at the NFC West, like if the Cardinals defense can tighten up a bit and Hopkins comes back, it feels like that this game may be one for lead in the division. Do you agree or do you think that the Niners with Jimmy will still be prevalent enough to threaten the Cardinals and Rams?
1: I think they still will be able to like I said Jimmy knows how to run the offense effectively and efficiently and the defense um will be able to put pressure on quarterbacks but the the injuries continue to pile up they they're not going to be out two running backs um with with uh, Davis Price the rookie now going to be sidelined and Elijah Mitchell's out at least 8 weeks uh so yeah the the run game you know it's going to be different to see and how they how they it, probably more Debo in the backfield, you know, as well. So yeah, I think they still can can create some matchup issues and stuff, but they got to get healthy. George Kittle, same thing, he, you know, dealing with a groin, so he's got to get healthy because uh, I don't. That's the only thing, like because Jimmy G loves George Kittle, mm-hmm. especially in the, in the passing game, and then, of course, is working the run game. And without him in the passing game, and if the run game is Slow down due to injuries. I do believe that, that it, it can affect them negatively, um, but I do think like right now, like they could still give um, the the other NFC West team some issues.
0: Absolutely. Uh, let's switch and talk about this Rams team now as we close out our podcast today and make our predictions. Uh, we got three keys for the most part for victory, and I agree with all three of them. At least you came out with the first one. I think that is a big one. Something we have not seen from the Cardinals yet this year. Start fast. We've seen Arizona basically put up garbage time points and put up last minute points in the second half. Um starting fast, like I would love it if Cliff, you know, if they would take the ball, be able to go down, try to get some points for the most part. But even if they're not able to, just finding a way to start fast, get the offense going in that first half. Um, that's something that I think is gonna be huge because as we all know, the Rams they love to run the ball in the second half, put teams away. Sean McVay is a fantastic front runner he gets a lead at the half and then just basically is able to run you out of the building at the second half getting a fast start is I think key to that for the cards
1: absolutely just coming out and applying pressure right like you know I, I believe Matthew Stafford threw two interceptions um you know yesterday against the Falcons you know he hasn't been great either right like they don't and then they don't have that explosive element to their passing game uh, Sands not having uh, Odell Beckham like they did towards the back end of last year, so it's like okay, the the game plan. I'm ex- I'm ex- I'm excited to see what Vance does. Does he? I want to see more man to man. It is difficult to man them up because of the fact that McVay loves to do his bunch sets and his stack sets mm-hmm. and move Cooper Cup all over, put him in the backfield, keep him off the line. Um, I think you try to bracket him and and just ask. Hopefully Tra- Tra- uh, Trayvon Mullen's back because if Trayvon Mullen is back, I will feel more comfortable with him man-to-man one-on-one with Allen Robinson than Marco Wilson. Yeah. So it just depends on how healthy the secondary is. But yeah, I think starting fast and just putting that pressure on the Rams offense to go score for score and do it early. Say, hey, we're going to take the ball. We go out and we get, and we're going to get seven. And, and and if that, and you were able to do that, Again, puts that applies that pressure to them and, and to the point where, okay, if they go a quick three-and-out, your defense holds. Now see if you can get a 10- to 14-point lead. Let's make them play from behind. Let's make them play off schedule and off script.
0: Absolutely. And I think that will also then put pressure on Matthew Stafford, who has got to be pointed out. You said he's thrown picks this year. He had three interceptions, I believe, in his first game against the Bills, and you look at last week against the Falcons. Um, they picked him off at least, were able to score a touchdown. And also the block punt touchdown, I think at least at the I believe it was the um that the uh Falcons were able to do. They took advantage for the most part of, you know, some of the special teams. We've seen a lot more turnovers from the Rams than I think we've typically seen in the past. And I think that the best thing you can do is, like you said, attack the zone. Um, as far as for starting fast. Rams are going to play zone coverage. We've seen, for the most part, that their linebackers are susceptible. Jalen Ramsey is the one guy that, you know, you don't want to test as much. The um, They had last week, I believe, at least, you know, he ended up having a, uh, I think it was interception that basically sealed the game for the most part, mm-hmm. yep. um, despite yep. the fact that, you know, this is, the, the Atlanta should not have been in that game at all. They basically have the... Um, The fact where they were able to force a fumble of the Rams, they go deep. The ball gets picked off by Jalen Ramsey. Um, Rams take a safety, which is one of the craziest things, because their run game has just been so ineffective this year with both Darrell Henderson and Kane Akers, uh, which I think plays into the Cardinals' hands. What you have to do for the most part is... You know, not get baited into, you know, just going after these one-on-one matchups, but like do what Kyler did last week. Be comfortable taking those five-yard passes to Ertz, five-yard passes to Greg Dorch, um, knowing that you're gonna be able to at least set up teams they're gonna play the zone, I think, in part two to stop Kyler Murray's legs from being able to make an impact. I think that's where you have to then be able to have that help of being able to dissect the zone and What I think that point number three I think that you brought up then is that's where you got to use your tight ends. Use Zach Ertz underneath. Be able to get some running the ball with these two tight end sets where you're able to get those mismatches. Um, Cardinals have a plethora of guys who should be able to catch the ball, who are able to at least block well. Uh, I don't know if this is a use Trey McBride type of a game, but... At least at minimum, I'd love to see them get Max Williams a bit more involved in the passing game. Um, They just have been using a lot of Steven Anderson, and it's been all right. But it just feels like this is kind of a spot where Max Williams, and um, I want to say at least in the past too, we've also seen, um, oh gosh, at least with the uh, Jaguars now, we've seen them at least with their tight ends, be able to essentially beat up on those linebackers, beat those zone coverages, and it's been really something that's been a thorn in the Rams side for the most part um that would be Dan Arnold that's the one two tight ends uh, uh, two touchdowns as a tight end that's been the Rams weakness and if you can use your tight ends effectively hopefully you can have a big Zach Ertz game that's something they did not do against the Rams last season in the playoffs they just pretty much didn't have the tight end involved in the offense I think that's what they have to use to be able to take advantage in this game
1: no, a hundred percent. Like I said, the, the Rams love their zone. Raheem Morris, I think is their defensive coordinator. Jalen yeah. Ramsey is not a big zone fan. Like he likes to man up. Um, So I would kind of do what um, Buffalo did. You know, if you're going to put them on one side and not have them travel with the top, you know, the best receiver, I would throw AJ Green over there, keep them busy and I'm tacking everybody else in the zone. Mm-hmm. Greg Dortch, of Andy if Andy Isabella's is back but I'm really hopeful that Rondell Moore because he is to me is the x-factor of this offense with his speed and his strength and catch and run catch and run ability so attack the zones um you know and and, and like I said compound that with the tight ends in the run game that's that, that's really open some things up and then again with the passing with the play action pass off of it uh, I would like to see more trade McBride he can he can really run block and he run blocks well but he's got really strong hands and when you think about the quick passing game and how Kyler gets the ball out, for whatever reason, the Raiders did not understand that, hey, Zach Ertz isn't running downfield, guys. Like, he's really running six yards and then curling up in the middle of the defense, yep. and Kyler's just hitting him over and over and over again. Well, then start doing some of that with both, you know, both tight ends, him and Tri McBride. Trey McBride may have the best or strongest hands on the team, mm-hmm. and he's a contested catch type of guy especially getting get that chemistry with him and kyler so getting to the low red zone that can help so those are i'm, I'm with you those are the things that, that really can help this team like i said starting fast attack the rams zone defense and then get these tight ends involved man i i'm not you know like i said just be creative with your with your sets and your alignments still yet cliff ranks bottom five in the league in terms of pre-snap motion mm-hmm. um which just allows defenses to get a to get up to, to disguise coverages and makes your your quarterback's job more difficult um, post snap because they can show too high and then come down into cover one and you're like crap they got a robber coming down I'm yep. trying to hit Zach Ertz over the middle because they show too high now they got two yeah, people no, there the, <laughs> now you got you got a linebacker on him you got a safety bearing down who's trying to come intercepted so I'd like to see Cliff make things a little easier to identify coverages for Kyler. Absolutely. Uh, Let's go real quick
0: as far as X factors. I think you and I have the same X factor here. Um, And it's going to be the interior offensive line. Obviously, the Rams defense is weakened, but Aaron Donald's still there. He's a wrecking ball. When Rodney Hudson played well earlier in the year, it was like one of the lowest, I think, PFF grades that Aaron Donald had received in his career. Obviously, you're hoping you'll have healthy Justin Pugh and then Will Hernandez, who is been a revelation to see how much improvement his pass blocking has gotten. Uh, what are your thoughts about the interior offensive line? And then, if you have a score prediction for the game?
1: Yeah, interior offensive line just just maintain and keep Donald out of out of the play. Like his quickness, everything you know about him. Double team him, duo block him. Never do not leave him singled up. Which I do expect Raheem Morris to try and attack him with some blitz blitz packages to free him up, but. You just got to keep keep him at bay, um, him and Greg Gaines, um, double team, both of them, especially in the run game. Greg Gaines is really powerful. So that that'll be big. Like I said, Will Hernandez, Rodney Hudson, Justin Pugh, um, and those guys just, like, really communicate. It's big. Communicate what's going on and who's got who and, and just execute your assignment. Uh, score prediction, I have, I believe I picked 31-24 30, Cardinals, I think, uh, they'll be, they They got to get a, a game at home and, and protect home field. And this is a great way to take, take the lead of this division and really, really put some of those uh, off-season narratives behind them.
0: Yeah, I'm very similar. Um, I just look at the team and just say, I think that the Cardinals' offensive line is better than the Rams' offensive line. I think the Cardinals running the ball – is better than the Rams running the ball right now. And I think that while the Cardinals' front seven may not be quite as strong as the Rams' front seven, it feels like the Rams' front seven's taken a bit of a step back. Losing Von Miller, I think, was a lot bigger impact for them. I have Arizona with a score of 23-20. I think it's going to be a pretty close game, if not tied at the half. And I think that Arizona's just going to be able to run the ball more effectively. Maybe you get to force a Matthew Stafford interception just feels like that since Odell Beckham and since von Miller have kind of left the team that Ram's identity that took them to the you know a Super Bowl game winning, and Matthew Stafford just has not looked completely right like the the Rams should have kept up better with the bills they at least forced some turnovers they should have been able to run the Falcons out of the building. they've just shown I think too many flaws, so I've got this as an actual Cardinals home win they've struggled to win games at home, but they seem like that they're a team that's whether it's getting healthier or at least a team that I think, is starting to put things together. Now, if they come out and have another, you know, get down, you know, 17-0 in the first half to the Rams, maybe we'll change things a bit. But that's what I have is the Cardinals actually picking up a win over here and starting 2-1, and we'll see if that ends up being enough for the division lead or if they're going to be still tied for first after this next week.
1: 100%. I'm looking forward to it, Blake
0: absolutely that'll be us for revenge of the birds you can follow us at ROTB Pod. make sure that you're following me at Blake Murphy 7 on twitter you can follow us at revengeofthebirds.com Damien, where can our listeners find you as well as your draft scouting work week three of college football is over and done i'm sure people have a lot to talk about with some of these upcoming prospects for
1: 2023 100 uh, you can find me on uh, on twitter at dp underscore nfl and um you know check out the draft network you can find them on twitter at the draft network as well as the draft network on youtube because we got a lot of stuff coming there as well
0: awesome stuff thanks again guys and go cardinals we'll check in next week after they place the los angeles rams former super bowl champs